Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. With me to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 4. I can tell you I was so proud of our young people yesterday. Gosh, they just... I don't know if your heart swells. You know, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes your heart just swells with pride. And I was just so proud because they just did such a great job pre- pre- preparing. They did such a great job of, of being, um, had great attitude. And uh, they watched other churches do theirs, and they, were, they cheered the other churches on as well. So your kid, y'all are doing pretty good raising kids. I'll tell you something, y'all are doing a good job because it just comes out. And, and so I so appreciate that. If I can take you to 2 Kings chapter 4 this morning, and I'm going to begin in verse number 1. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her sons, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one another vessel, so the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Thank you, Father, again, for the privilege of the Word of God. Thank you for the privilege of growing in it, for developing in it, for understanding it. God, just the privilege of reading it. There's those around the world who don't have the privilege of just being able to have the freedom to love this word, and so thank you for that opportunity. Once again, I do pray as Lindsay prayed that every heart, God, would be ready to receive what you have uh, for them today. Not coincidence or happenstance that we're here, but we came here to meet divinely with God, and I know that you're not going to turn us away empty-handed, so we love you for that. Pray for that precious anointing in the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. Now, I'm going to walk through this scripture today. And we're just going to talk some things through because I think it's, it's really a, a passage of Scripture that maybe you, it's well known, but it's one that just really has so much deep truths in it that if we walk through it, maybe we can, we, can, we can get a few out of there. Now, if I look at verse number one, the first thing I want you to know is this was a woman of God. This was a woman that knew the Lord. And let me just tell you this, as a believer in Christ, there are certain benefits that you have as being a believer in Jesus. And one of those benefits is that God is going to take care of you. God's going to provide for you. He's going to meet every single need that you're going to have between now and the time you breathe your last breath. God is a providing kind of God. That's a great place to say amen. If you see this, if I can give you something practical real good, it's just that God was one of those, this particular man is believed, her husband was believed to be one of the 7,000 that did not bow his knee to Baal when Ahab and, 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 and uh, Elijah, Elijah and Jezebel had their issue on Mount Carmel. He's believed to be one of those, a man of faith and a man of God, but somehow he had passed away. Somehow he had died, and this widow woman is left with two sons to raise, 
and try to make ends meet. Here's something real practical that doesn't cost you anything. If you're the breadwinner in your home, get a life insurance policy. This woman, she, she didn't have any way to take care of her family. She didn't have any way to provide. She was out of, she had no, apparently she had no occupation. Her sons could not work. She had no way to take care of herself. And, and somehow, and yet she found herself in a pickle. And even when you're finding yourself in a pickle with the kingdom of God, how many know God's always got a way? God's always got a way. What you brought in here with you, God's got a way. He may not have told you yet, and you may not have figured it out yet, but I can promise you this, just as sure as I'm looking at you, God's going to provide a way for you out of the circumstance that you find yourself in. Do, do you understand the magnitude? This lady here, they were going to sell her kids. Her husband passed away. She had no way to take care of, pay bills. Creditors came. She owed money to certain, to certain creditors. And the only way that she was able to pay for them is she was going to have to sell her sons to work the debt off to her creditors. In that day, there, of course, there was no bankruptcy. It was just you had to pay the bill back, and if you couldn't afford to pay it, you had to have somebody work it off. And so she was going to have to take her sons, and then she really would be in trouble. See, it's, it's the reason why we pray big prayers, because sometimes the circumstances we face are bigger than, than we can handle. It's why we think big when it comes to God. Because sometimes there's things that happen that are more than we could ever begin to, to comprehend, to wrap our arms around, if you will. Have you ever been there? Have you ever done You know what I'm talking about. You've been to the place where you just, just it's overwhelming. There just seems there's no way the doctor can't help you, the banker can't help you, the lawyer can't help you, friends and family can't help you. It's so big that only Almighty God can handle it. The good news is that He can handle it. The good news is that God is big enough to take care of every need because he is still Jehovah Jireh. He's God our provider. Now, I like when they say this. They say God's a mountain-moving God because sometimes I got mountains in my way. Verse number two, he asked her a question, what shall I do for you? Now, that to me was kind of, a, kind of the dumbest question in all the Bible. Because here's a lady who just has about to pay back her creditors, and a, and a prophet, a pastor comes to her, a preacher comes to her and says, what do you want me to do for you? But I think it's really interesting why he asked that question, because how many know this? He wanted to know, did she want help, or did she just want to complain? Do you know that sometimes there's those that just want to complain? They really don't want help. They kind of like in their mess. They kind of enjoy the, the feelings they get and, and the special attention people give to them in their mess. And Elisha was wanting to find out. He said, well, i got to know something. Do you just want to talk about it, or do you want God to deliver you? So the thing is, is let me just tell you, my friends, if you want an answer, God's got an answer for you. And he has to make sure that you really are interested in getting the outcome that he wants to give you before he even begins to start off and beginning to solve the problem. He wanted to know if she wanted help. See, to change your outcome, to withstand your crisis, to win your battle, you have to ask for help. How many people like to ask for help? How many people really enjoy it to go out of their way and say, look, I need to borrow a shovel. Hey, listen, can I borrow your car? Hey, can I pay you back? It's the hardest thing you'll ever do is to ask somebody for help. But one thing is the prophet came to her and said, look, if you want help, I know a God that will answer you. If you really need a provision, I know a God that will provide for you. If you really need a healing, I know a God that will heal you. If you really need God, God to move on your behalf, I know somebody, and I know a God who will be there when you ask for help because God's always got somebody to help you. Hang on. Did y'all get that? Sometimes God brings us somebody to help you. So the, the, the somebody might be sitting right next to you today. 
That somebody might just be the person that lives, that you work on the job with. God's always got a somebody to help you. Sometimes we're looking for God to rain manna out of heaven. Sometimes we're looking for God to open a Red Sea miraculously. But sometimes the miracle is right sitting right next to you. So that's what Elisha's trying to show this particular widow woman. I found this. I've heard this said lots of times. I've heard people say, you know, I, I, I married my best friend. We were friends for a long time. And then one day we just figured out we might as well just get married because we're such good friends. The person that they were going to marry was not out there somewhere. It was right next to them. Sometimes the blessing is in your job. You thought it was somewhere else. You just got another job or you bought another house or you went somewhere else and, and there would be a blessing there. But sometimes you didn't realize that the job you got right now, that's the blessing that God gave you. Are you following me now? Special somebody. I found this out because I always thought that, you know, you had to go do something great to find purpose in life. I always figured you had to go and, you know, you had to go win a trophy or build something or accomplish some goal or get a plaque on your wall. That was how you were going to, you know, find purpose in life. And I didn't realize you could find purpose in life with Jesus. That you didn't have to go all throughout all the world and jump out of airplanes and swim with dolphins or sharks or whatever they swim with these days. You just had to all just trust in Christ and trust in Jesus, and he's the one that brings about purpose and destiny in the life of believers, life of people. He says this, what, what shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in the house? He said because the thing is her answer was in her house. She already had the answer. It was right next to her. And she said this, well, let's just say this, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. She just had a jar of oil. And she didn't think that was enough to meet the need of the creditors that she had. She didn't think that that little jar of oil was just enough, coupled with the power of God, to meet every single need she would have in those of her sons. How many right now, you think, that's your answer right there? Oh, come on, some of you got some problems that you're facing right now, and if I told you, that's your answer right there. That's it. That's all she had to have. That's all she had to have. You say, that's not much. It's not very much, but the thing is, is when you couple that and you put that with the big and, and great God that you and I serve, that's more than enough. That's enough to take care of me. That's enough to take care of my kids. That's enough to take care of my family. That's enough to take care of my church. That's enough. That right there plus the power of God is enough to meet every single need I would ever have to ask or think. It's the same for you, my friend. You plus you, whatever you got right now in your hand, plus Jesus is more than enough. That's some good news. That's some good news. This little lady here is realizing. She says this. She says, what I've got is not much, but I'll give you what i got. Now, interesting here. Here's what he says to do. She just saw a little jar of oil, but he saw, he saw vessels of oil. He saw a boatload of oil. He saw, just a, he saw, he saw craters of, full of oil. You know what part of your mission in life is? For those of you taking notes, I'm about to start preaching. Do you know what your mission in life is? To help other people see how big God really is. To help other people see how great God is. I thought we were trying to go and win people and get them saved and get them baptized in water. Can I tell you, my friend, yes. But your job and, your, and my mission is to help people see how great God is. Has he been good to you? Has he been faithful to you? Is he, has he come through in times when you didn't think anybody would ever come through? Has he been the one that when nobody else was there and everybody else had counted you out, is he the one that showed up riding the white horse just in the nick of time? Our mission and our goal is just that of Elisha to show everybody God really is a great God. He really is a big God. 
They thought you would be, see, the thing is, is that if your friends and family thought you were going to be crazy and end up like your crazy uncle or aunt, and they see you living with joy and living with peace and living with happiness, they thought that you'd never change, they, but then all of a sudden you showed them that God really can change people. He can even change people just like me. They thought you'd never get promoted, but then all of a sudden you're the boss of the company. They thought you'd never make it, but you are walking now in the goodness and the blessing of God. Help somebody see how big Jesus really is. All they see is a jar. All they see is just a little something. But God sees containers overflowing full of what he has. See, my granddaddy was a, was a doctor during the Depression. He was born in 1899. He died in 2005. That would make him 105 when he had passed. He grew up poor. And somehow God called him to be a doctor. He said, it was a miracle that I just got to be one. He said, because I, we didn't have any money. He said, so when he, he went to Bible college, he got a job uh, at a Presbyterian church playing the organ. And so they let him sleep in a room in the, in the, in the church house so he, in exchange for, for playing the organ. And the first when he got out, he got a job as, for a railroad. The railroads used to have their own hospitals in McGee, Arkansas. He was a little country doctor. He said it was kind of like having his own practice. He said it all started because when, when the war had come to bad, he had got drafted in World War I. And he had got drafted, so he had not made it to, he never made it to the battlefield, but he went to New York, and they hired him to be a, a medic in a military hospital. Just one of those orderlies, you know, the kind that empties bedpans and does things, kind of random things like that, helps patients and whatnot. So he's sitting there one day doing, just helping a, a patient, and a doctor walks by. And a doctor sits there and says to him, he says, Carl, you'd make a really good doctor. And my granddad said, just something kind of clicked on the inside of me. He said, that man had, he, I, he said, I was a nobody. I'm poor. He said, I, I, I don't really amount, don't amount to much of anything. But somebody had faith in me. Somebody believed that God could take somebody like me and do something with, with them with their life. And see, the thing is, is that doctor was exactly what I'm talking about today. He was that somebody that helped another person see how big God really is. You say, well, I got my own problems. I'm the widow woman. I'm, I got my own things going on. My friend, if we'll just get by, by past ourselves and begin to help people see what God, how big God really is, God will begin to change the way we think about ourselves as well. Now, God needs somebody to show people what he can do, and that somebody is me, and that somebody is you. Verse 3. Then he says this, he says, now, then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels do not gather just a few. Now, here comes the, the part, the tricky part, and this is where you have to take that step of faith. She had to go out and begin to borrow from other people vessels that she could pour oil into. How many like, I think I already said this, how many people like to borrow stuff from other people? I hate it. I hate borrowing things from other people. Let me tell you why. Because when I borrow it, if I break it, i got to go buy them a brand new one. And then I should have just gone buy one to begin with, and I'd have had my own, right? I, I, just, I mean, I just, it just really bothers me to borrow stuff from people. I, maybe that's, I don't, I'm not sure what it is. My dad didn't, he, matter of fact, the way my dad does it, if I borrow something from him, he says, oh, I'll just keep it. And then he goes buys him a new one. Some of y'all want my dad's number before I go home tonight? <laughs> and if, if I buy, matter of fact, at men's breakfast, if we have, if we have breakfast there, I tell the men if I buy, and somebody's always going to buy your meal there. And if I buy somebody's meal, they say, hey, let me pay you back. I always say, it's okay. I like you owing me. Because I don't like to borrow. So can you imagine this woman having to go down to her neighbors all the way up and down the street 
and borrowing these things and having to ask, answer all the questions she's going to have to, to, to all the awkward questions. You want to borrow a vessel to put oil in? What, how long are you going to keep it? What, are you going to bring it back to me? She didn't have any of those answers, did she? And I'm sure those questions were awkward because she wasn't 100% sure. The thing is that she was having to ask questions that she didn't know the answer to, but she was just taking that step of a faith and obeying God. I get that same look sometime when I tell people to give to God. I get that same kind of funny look from them. Because lots of times people will come and they'll say, Pastor, I've been struggling financially, just don't know how to make ends meet. And I always, my response is, man, you just got to give to God. And they look at me funny because they think, I just told you I'm struggling financially, and you're telling me to go spend more money? And my answer is, yes. That's a step of faith. And God always answers when you take that step of faith. He said it like this, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaken together, running over, will men give into your bosom. The wonderful thing about that is when we give to God, take that step of faith, he always honors and he comes through. Moses had to go back home. He had to go back to Egypt. That was his step of faith. Elijah had to raise a dead boy. That was his step of faith to believe that God was going to raise somebody from the dead. Daniel had to keep on praying. Even when they were told him not to pray, one time Jesus spit on a man's eyes. It was that step of faith that it took for that man to begin to see. The woman, 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 widow woman had to borrow some vessels. You and I are called by God to believe in somebody we've never even seen. What is that called? It's called a step of faith. She had to do it. See, I like, sometimes I get nervous when I feel that's when, I, when God asks me to do that step of faith. It starts getting real tight up in here. I start worrying what's going to happen if God doesn't catch me or God doesn't save me. I start thinking about all the scenarios. We're talking about this today, all the scenarios that can happen if God doesn't show up for me. And I don't know why God does that. I don't know why God asks us to do that. But here's what I do know. There's going to come a day. Maybe not t- today, but someday God's going to ask you and I to take that step of faith. And to trust him. There's a lady by the name of Jean Falk. Jean Falk used to invite a young lady named Celeste to church. If some of you are old, they used to call churches. They didn't call them First Assembly or call them Bethel. They called them by the name of the preacher. So if it was Brother Smith was the pastor at the church, they didn't call it First Baptist. They called it Brother Smith's church. And Jean Falk went to Hardcastle's church. Brother Hardcastle was the pastor. And she would always invite Celeste. They'd have singings, they'd have, they'd have meals, they'd have services, and she would always invite, invite Celeste Hoover to come to church. And Celeste would never go. And so one day she called her and she said, kept, kept calling, kept asking, kept taking a step of faith. One day she said, we're having a revival at our church. And she said they have pretty good singing. So Celeste finally, just to keep Jean from asking anymore, Celeste decided to go to revival. In that revival, Celeste got saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. In that revival, she went home where she told her husband, look, we're having a revival this week at Gene's church. You're going too." Robert, not being a Christian, he said this, ain't no way I'm going to that crazy place. And you know, Hardcastle's church was a Pentecostal church and they had a reputation. So anyway, how many of you, you ladies know sometimes you can have a way of persuading your husband to do something he's not necessarily wants to do. Robert went to revival as well. In that revival, Robert got baptized, got saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost with his evidence of speaking in other tongues. Robert and Celeste had three children, Robert, Robbie, Ronnie, and Leanne. 
Robbie's a minister today at a church in, in Bearden, Arkansas. Ronnie's a campus pastor. Leanne's sitting right there on the front row. See, it took somebody just taking that step of faith to ask another person to come to church. It wasn't that big, but she didn't give up. And I am thankful to God today that Gene Falk asked Celeste Hoover and took a step of faith and said, come to revival with me. Because my life has been forever changed because of somebody taking a step of faith. So if there ever comes a place where you got to step out, listen, don't worry. God will, be, God will kind of catch you on the other side. Look at verse number four. He said, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour into it all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now, this was the work part. See, we think sometimes great faith is just doing that something that you've never done before, just kind of stepping out when God asks you to do something. But there's a part of faith that really is just going to work every day getting up every day and taking care of kids. Sometimes the miracle is in the mundane, going to church every Sunday, changing those diapers again, doing those routine things as under the Lord. She said, look, bring me the vessel. Now bring me another one. Now bring me another one. Oh, come on, Mama, we're tired of bringing those vessels. Oh, well, baby, I know you're hurt. I know you're tired. I know you're wore out. I know they're heavy, but keep bringing me another one. Keep bringing me one, another one. And people say, well, what's that called right there, what they were doing? That just sounds like they're going to work. Sometimes what that's called as well is that's called faith. Just getting up, coming to church on Sunday. Just picking those kids up, in the, getting them up in the morning, taking them to, to, uh, to, to school again. Just going to that job you don't necessarily like, but you just go because it's where God puts you, and you get up and you go do the best you can. Sometimes we don't think that miracles are in the mundane, but honey, I'm telling you, sometimes miracles are in the mundane. There's a story of a church in Minneapolis, Minnesota called Bethlehem Baptist. There was a pastor there one Sunday afternoon, one Sunday as this church service was over, people were being dismissed, and he noticed in the back there was a, a couple, and they, he looked like they were from overseas. And so not, not recognizing him, he walked back there, introduced himself to them, asked them, you know, who they were, where they were from, and they gave their name, and they said, we're from the nation of Burma. And they said, we came to church today because we wanted to meet the mother, the church that mothered our church in Burma. And the pastor looked at him kind of funny because he was kind of doing the math in the back of his head. He said, you know, I don't think we've ever mothered a church in Burma. And the, the, the couple said, oh, yes, 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 we attend that church. She said, 80, the, one of the ladies said, 87 years ago, there was a missionary that came out of this church and went, went to Burma. And in six years, he never saw one convert. Six years, never saw one convert. How many like a missionary to send you a letter in the mail? Said, hey, it's been four years, hadn't won one person to Jesus. Keep sending your money. <laughs> she said, but something happened from that mission's work because they started the church that we attend now. From that mission's work, somehow somebody got, came to Christ and began to, began to build a church in Burma. She said, we attend that church today, and today there are 250,000 people in our church in Burma today. All because somewhere there's a missionary that's unnamed, and he went to work, and he did his very best, and he tried hard to win people to God, and it doesn't seem like any kind of results happened. But see, sometimes, my friend, the miracle is in the mundane. Don't ever think that God's not moving just because you don't feel him. Don't ever think that God's not up to something just because you can't hear him. Don't ever think God's moving just because you just don't see to feel his touch at that particular time. God's always on the move. God's always on the move. So you just keep doing your best right where you are. 
Keep following Jesus right where you are. You may think that God doesn't see, God doesn't hear. I want you to know something today. God sees and God hears. Now, in verse 6 and 7, it says this, and this is an important part of the story. It came to pass when the vessels were full, bring me another vessel. He said to her, there's not another vessel, so the oil ceased. So the oil stopped flowing when she ran out of vessels. Now listen to me real quick. Listen. The oil stopped flowing when she ran out of vessels. Now every businessman and every businesswoman and every person who's ever been to a garage sale or an antique show just had the same thought. If five vessels gave you five gallons, ten vessels would have gave you ten gallons. And if Ten vessels gave you ten gallons. She should have gotten 20 vessels because they would have given her 20 gallons. So in other words, if X amount of vessels took care of mom and the kids, 5X of vessels would have taken care of the whole street. 10X of vessels would have taken care of the whole neighborhood or the whole city or the whole state or the whole nation. So if God works like that, she shouldn't have stopped it just getting their neighbor's vessels or the people across the streets in their vessels. She should have gone to everybody in a country in a 50-mile radius and got every vessel she could to provide for every single person that was in need during that famine. Hmm. What if God did that on purpose? What if God stuck that in there on purpose just for me and you? Even though she just, you know, she just all the vessels that she had, and we just learned the principle that when the vessels were full, the, the oil stopped flowing. What if God put that in there so that you and I would think just a little bit bigger than we think right now? We would pray just a little bit bigger than we pray right now. If God says this is what you got, and God understands this, that he has the ability to multiply things as long as there's faith in, in operation. In other words, I'm saying God don't just provide for my family. Give me enough to take care of everybody. Give me to take care of my family and bless other people as well. God don't just save my loved one. Baptize them, save them, baptize them in the Holy Ghost, call them to preach, and let them take care of me when I get old. Hallelujah. God, don't just speak to me, but give me a word that I can go and tell somebody else that will be a word to them as well. God, don't just give me that special someone. Give me some special someone that's got a job, can pay bills, and loves Jesus as well. And good looking. Hallelujah. Come on. Get your, get your faith up here, y'all. Because the oil, as long as the oil's got a place to go, it'll keep rolling. It'll keep flowing. And God's saying, don't just think right here. Don't just pray right here. Pray up here because I got more enough than you could ever ask or think. Don't ever put God in a box. I think Jesus had this same principle. This same principle. The Bible says this, Hebrews 10. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And then Hebrews 10.1 says, For this reason it can never by the same sacrifice repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. Maybe Jesus at one point in history had this thought. If the blood of bulls and goats can atone for a nation for just one year, what will happen if we have a better sacrifice than the blood of bulls and goats? You think he ever thought, listen, if, if, they've got, if every single person has to bring an imperfect lamb or an imperfect uh, goat for their blood to be shed, for sin to be atoned for? What if there was a better sacrifice, a better built on better promises and a better covenant? What if I went down there and shed my blood that doesn't have to be shed all the time or every year, but it could be shed once for all time? 
And maybe Jesus had this thought, what if we can do more? What if the thing is, is what if we just had more faith to stand on? I'm quite saying, what he was saying, Pastor, I'm saying take the limits off of God. Stop looking at that little cup of oil. Stop looking at that just little small thing that you're dealing with and look at it compared to a great, big, almighty God. Come on, what do you see today? Come on, what do you see today? What are you facing today? What are you, what are you opposed to today? What's coming against you today? Don't see it. Don't see it in the eyes of man because it'll always be bigger than you and I. But today, take off the veil and see it between you and the, through the eyes of God. If you're sick in your body. Oh, in just a moment, I'll ask you to come and bring that thing with you. Come bring that thing with you to church. And as you come, say, God, give me a bigger vision. God, help me to see it like you see it. Help me that big giant see like like you see it. And when I see that big giant through the eyes of heaven, all of a sudden he becomes really, 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 really small. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to bring needs to you today. I thank you for the opportunity to come into the house of God and, and to have a liberty and freedom to bring, God, those things that we have to you. And I know that there are those today that have things they're facing. They may be great or small, but it doesn't matter, God. It's just that there's something that's important to them, it's important to you. So I pray in the next few moments of time as they bring those needs to you, I thank you, God, that you're going to help them to see by the Holy Spirit how big and how great you are. I pray for faith would rise up in them. And maybe you'll tell them they need to step out in faith. Maybe they need to step out in faith and come pray or step out in faith and begin to give. Step out in faith and call that loved one again. Step out in faith and trust God and stand upon his word. But I pray today, God, let every single need be brought to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.